This is Maddie Rempe from Cleveland, Ohio, and you're listening to Barbecue Central. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me! Fine, how's it going? We have a great show, I'm a big fan. Boing. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish, what? He ate two feet before we met. Oh, listen, Lavernius, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit pea seeds. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. And just like that, we are into the second hour. Welcome aboard. It's the Barbecue Central Show. We talk about live fire barbecue and grilling topics for two hours every Tuesday evening from 9 to 11. Recording all the way through, so if you can't get it live, you can get it through the podcast feed. First hour will go up on Wednesday, second hour on Thursday. So make sure that you hit up all your podcast platforms or whatever your favorite is, as I had mentioned last week. We are also on Amazon Music. So wherever it is that you get your podcasts or you subscribe or stream your podcast, I am there. Just search The BBQ Central Show and away you go. So to come on the show, R.T. Custer from Vortic Watch Company in about 13 minutes. And then we will end the show this evening where I will unfortunately be banning a Barbecue Central Show guest Hall of Famer. So stay tuned for that. Do you have any guesses? If you want to shoot them up on the instant chat, go ahead. I will not tell you if you are right or wrong, but you can know that you got your guess in ahead of time before I make the unfortunate reveal here in about uh, 40 minutes from now or so. Don't forget you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram and Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat. Slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook and Twitch. Slash RD Rempe on YouTube. Coming up on the best moments of the BBQ Central Show in 10 minutes or less this Friday, episode 159. We're taking you back to January 3rd, 2012. And my guest that evening was none other than the, at that point, current KCBS president, a longtime owner, and one-time sponsor of this show, Barbecuers Delight Wood Pellets owner Candy Sue Weaver. And she took the time out to take us through a journey and a look back at the pellet business, how they got into the pellet-making world, what separates their products from the rest of the pellets. I'll tell you what I found. John is doing an incredible job at doing the cliffhanger of the best moments. It's a, you know, the whole production is 10 minutes or less, hence the name. And I fell for it again. I did a little bit of a preview the other day over the weekend as I was loading it in. And we got right to a point in the conversation of that best moment show. And I was waiting for Candy to answer. And then the sounder hit, the show ended. And I was like, oh, he did it again. I fell for it again. But he is becoming very dynamic at getting people 
sucked in to the best of. And then, of course, you know I'm hitting that whole show archive link that's also in the show notes for the best of. Uh, he's doing a, a, a fabulous job here. All right, uh, so we're getting to the point uh, that I love here. Everybody's loving the new watch cam that we've had up here for uh, about five weeks or so, getting through it. And tonight, I'm going to show you a watch that perhaps you have never seen before. We're going to be talking with uh, one of the co-founders here next segment. Uh, but this is a Vortic watch. I've been showing you some out of my personal collection recently. But uh, so this is... Believe it or not, well, I mean, I'm sure you can believe it as we uh, get it a little bit more sexied up to the camera there. Uh, so you can see uh, here is, uh, you know, what you call the crown. I don't know how many uh, you folks are watch people out there, so I don't want to get too technical with you. Uh, but this is a crown. So this is, uh, at, at one point or, or in its original life, uh, and let me see if I can get the camera to agree here. Uh, so it says Burlington special there. Uh, this was a pocket watch, you know, 70, 80, 90, 100 years ago. Um, I don't know the, the huge specifics on this watch, but this was a pocket watch. Remember, you know, back in the day, and we'll talk with RT about this here in a few minutes, this was the watch, right? It wasn't what you see on a wrist. But then again, folks were dressing pretty dandy back then. Uh, everybody was wearing uh, better than business casual on a regular basis. They were wearing dress shirts, uh, always had vests on, and then, no, this is where you saw a watch like this. It was on some kind of a chain. I'm sure there's a technical name for that. And it was in a pocket of the vest, or perhaps they wore it in a little bit of a different fashion and uh, put it around one of the belt loops and then in their pants pocket. But this was originally a, a pocket watch. And uh, it is now a wrist watch. So you can see uh, case thickness here, and it's on a very nice leather strap. And you know this now. I'm going to show you something that I really like that Vortic does. Uh, I'm a bit of a uh, voyeur, and I know a lot of us are Aww. voyeurs, if you will. And if you take off my wrist, and then we look at the back of this, let me uh, get a better shot here. They have uh, allowed you to see. Let me get it up so it will focus. Come on. Ah, oh, here we. Go. Are you not going to focus for me? Come on, come on. Here we go. There we go. So you can see the, uh, let's call them the guts of the watch. So this is uh, technically called the movement. This is what makes the, the, the dial work. So you can actually tell the time. And you take this off your wrist, you can show everybody, hey, guess what? You know, here are the guts of the watch. And you can see it. It's moving uh, all right there. I mean, it looks spectacular. And, uh, you know, this is uh, half of me thinks that the numbers should be on this side of the watch, too. You can see everything happening uh, like all at the same time. But, oh, my God, uh, I mean, that would be a travesty to the dial of this watch. Uh, this is a railroad edition watch. And you can tell that because it's got all of the minutes sectioned out there, as you can see, uh, you know, one, two, three, all the way 60 back up to the noon or back up to the 12 there. And then you got the second hand uh, or the seconds there in the middle at the six o'clock position. This is an incredible piece, um, and again, this is and this is the back part of it, which is you know just incredible. You get to see everything happening there, and you know, I mean, uh, barbecue guys and gals, you know, we we love to see the process. We love to be looking at fire. We love to be uh, looking at the uh, charcoals burning. Uh, so uh, you know, 
no different than uh, something along these lines here, where you can see everything that's making that watch, uh, pardon the pun, tick uh, underneath it uh, or behind it. And then, uh, of course, you have this classic dial um, right there that was uh, originally a pocket watch. So uh, very excited to talk with RT here in a couple minutes about that. Uh, also, let me remind you uh, from a best of standpoint, if you want to talk to John or you want to send him a message about a favorite interview or segment that you've heard in the past, make sure that you send him an email. It's J-O-N, J-O-N at the BBQ Central Show.com and then let him know what you're looking for and he will allow or he will uh, do his best to meet your expectation. Now let me see if I can't get to this. Who could make you eat undercooked chicken or moldy bread? Do you think it could be anybody? Well, let me pause my ad blocker because everything on the internet anymore says you got to pause your ad blocker. Who do you think it could be? Could it be your future in-laws? Yes. Research suggests that eating undercooked chicken or moldy bread could be the fault of your in-laws uh, from CNN.com in their health section. We all know these foods are risky, could make us sick, but research has suggested that in certain high-stakes social situations like dinner with your prospective in-laws or a barbecue at your new boss's house, you might eat them anyway. No, don't. Please say it's not. Researchers in the ever-evolved country of Norway evaluated 17 different social situations to assess how people felt about the consequences of not eating the food were served and found that being invited into one's future's parents' in-laws' home or for the first time being judged at a professional boss's situation, the biggest pressure to be polite and not refuse food is something that people are not necessarily interested in doing. We might imagine that this situation, the anticipated cost of eating something like this, was weighed against the anticipated cost of being judged impolite or rude. In the worst case, as a unsuitable son or daughter-in-law, said Nina Viefden, a professor at the Department of Marketing at the Norwegian Business School. Here's what I say. Uh, we should all be so lucky to be me and have my in-laws because uh, I can tell you right now there is a 0.0% chance that they are undercooking anything. Uh, I have told you on many occasions, my in-laws have patented the triple cook method, which means parboiling pretty much to a done extent. Then it goes to a grill to put on that grill flavor. And then it is taken from the grill and run through the microwave for a certain period of time just to make sure everything is done. There's no way that I'm ever in a potential situation of eating anything undercooked even when I was courting my to-be wife 20-plus years ago. I was, I was heavily safe. Now, what's funny is the shoe is not on the other foot. If they come over to my house and I serve a pork tenderloin at 140 and it's pink in the middle, they're like, oh, we ain't eating this shit. No way. I'm going to get trichinosis. But I never had to worry about that. It wasn't going to happen to me. All right, let me talk to you quickly about Green Mountain Grills before we get to RT 
Custer from Vortic. Green Mountain Grills, uh, two of the best pellet cooker lines that you can choose from currently on the market. You have a choice line. You have a prime line. You figure out which one is best for you. If I might make a suggestion, if you're a person that likes the tech, then you might want to check the choice or the prime line. Prime lines, you got two internal meat probes. You got peek-in windows on the main cooking chamber and on the pellet hopper. Also, you have Wi-Fi connectivity. You can download the app. You can use that app to make custom recipes and cooking cycles. If you want to save two, 300 bucks or more, then you can choose the choice line. Uh, the sizes of the cookers are the same, whether choice or prime. It's just the level of tech and the extra features and benefits that you're going to get. Now, there's a Prime Plus that's got lights inside the cooking chamber, so you can light it up at night, make sure that you're seeing exactly what's going on. Uh, either way, the choice in the Prime line, when you have the Daniel Boone and the Jim Bowie, those both accommodate that pizza oven insert. That's something you're definitely going to want to get, so you can have that high-heat pizza option. It's fun and exciting. Green Mountain Grills are selling through dealers, so you're going to have to go there. Go to GreenMountainGrills.com, find a dealer near you, and then check them out. They'll get you educated, they'll get you home, and you'll be ready for success right from Jump Street. GreenMountainGrills.com, that's GreenMountainGrills.com. And we are back with R.T. Custer right after this. Stick around, we'll be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Monthly visits from a killer hog, a cooking guy, a man named Meathead, the author of Barbecue Bible, a grill girl, a bristly barbecue journalist, and the male feasance of the barbecue world known as the Embedded Correspondence. Only found right here on the Barbecue Central Show. And this portion brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker, the most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet. Currently available in two sizes with a host of accessories, whether you're a beginner or a professional. Definitely a cooker you want to add to the arsenal. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com and tell them the Barbecue Central Show sent you. You know, I've said it before, I'll say it again. While this show is a barbecue and grilling show, it's not always about barbecue and grilling. And tonight we do a bit of format break to talk about another passion of mine that has burned on and off for five, uh, ten years perhaps. And it's watches. And I talk with one of the newest sponsors of the show, co-founder of a company called Vortic Watch Company. And we'll be talking about their very unique products that I have absolutely fallen in love with. So we go ahead and race to the hotline and welcome in first timer to the show, R.T. Custer. Hey, R.T. Hey, Greg. Thanks for having me. You bet. Thanks for making time this evening to talk about Vortic and to talk about um, what perhaps a, a lot of people aren't aware of. I know I wasn't, and that is the uh, history of watchmaking here in the States uh, quite a long time ago. Um, before we get into that, the uh, beginnings of your company and such, uh, let's do a little tie back to the format and function of this show, which is barbecue and grilling. So are you a fan of barbecue? Are you a fan of grilling or both? Like what's your live fire experience and preference yes sir yeah all the all the things um really anything meat i if if i could go on the joe rogan diet and just eat meat i I, i've actually strongly considered that um i have a traeger myself and um, use it for basically everything that i can think of um including i guess most recently i haven't used much because i've been really cold here but um did thanksgiving turkey 
on the Traeger this year, and that was that was a really fun experience, honestly. Uh, RT, are you a fan of the Traeger because of the uh, ease, uh, or let's call it the thermostatic control, so you can dial in a specific temperature? I had Meathead on from AmazingRibs.com in the first hour, and we were talking a little bit about some cookers that are coming to market that are having more of a thermostatic control on it, and yet we were pondering how uh, over the genesis of gas grills, not one has come to market where you can set it for 350 or, or 400 degrees or something in between there uh, where it would function like an oven. Do you use that, Traeger, because you have that uh, ease and convenience? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm certainly a novice as it comes to just cooking in general, and so uh, the more technology and, and aid I can get from my tools, the better. And, and that's what, that's what sold me on the Traeger initially is just, just plug and play, you know, really hard to mess up. <laughs> what's your, uh, what's your favorite thing to make? Um, ribeyes, um, a reverse sear, uh, on a ribeye is my favorite thing to do. You're in Fort Collins, Colorado, right? That's correct. All right. So, yeah. uh, because I'm a, you know, standard American, my geography isn't that great. Like, where are you related to Denver or is Fort Collins? Uh, Fort Collins is about an hour north of Denver All right, along so the main highway. Not too bad. Have you ever been to a place called GQ Barbecue in Denver by chance? I haven't. You know, I, I really I haven't explored Denver as much as I should have. Um, and and I, I will add that to my list because I really I really need to do that more. Well, if if you decide to go, you need to get in touch with me previously. You tell me the exact day you're going to go. I personally know the owner, uh, Jason Ganahl over there, GQ, and he will give you the uh, personal GQ experience. Uh, and this is a guy who has experienced a lot of success on the competition trail and uh, since branched off into doing his own barbecue restaurant out there in the Denver area and uh, doing it with a, quite a bit of uh, success and fanfare. So just let me know when you're going to go out there, and I'll make sure Jason takes care of you. Uh, to no problem. I will. All right, so let's go ahead yeah, and get into uh, the watch talk a little bit. So uh, before we get into the origins of Vortic, let's go back in time, uh, perhaps for a bit of a history lesson. And I'd referenced it a couple minutes ago about American watchmaking. And I think it's, it's very common at this day and age to associate watchmaking and watchmakers with Swiss or perhaps the Japanese. But America did have quite a history in it, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I call them the the ten great American watch companies. But um, between, I would say, the mid eighteen hundreds and the mid nineteen hundreds, America was the Switzerland of the world. Um, there were hundreds of millions of pocket watches made here, mostly in the Northeast and the Midwest, um, by uh, about ten companies, ten major companies. But the the closest comparison to modern day manufacturing is the auto industry in terms of you know if you think of america right now and one of the things that we make a lot of and we make some some really good quality uh manufacturing it's cars you know we make some amazing cars especially in michigan right and and that's what you think of when you think of big manufacturing companies in america um that's what the watch companies were pretty much a hundred years, 1850 to 1950. Watches, uh, or at least a, a certain uh, watch, I'd showed it uh, in the previous segment, uh, the one I'm wearing on my wrist right now, is a, a railroad-grade watch. When you go to your uh, website, and, and we'll talk about it uh, a little bit more in depth when we talk about the company itself, 
Um, you, you guys are specializing, I guess, in a, a railroad style watch and a, uh, a artisan style watch or, or, or not a railroad watch. So yep. when does these are pocket watches? So, you know, if we were living in the mid 1800s, mid 1900s, we're not wearing wristwatches at that point, or at least they hadn't come into style or thought of. So uh, people were telling time through pocket watches. So where does the introduction of a or why does a railroad watch even come into play? Yeah, so um, the the wristwatch mostly came in um, to to history, and people started wearing the wristwatch after World War One, and especially after World War Two. And so, uh, you know, I would say the '50s, '60s, and forward, pocket watches just started to become obsolete, basically, and people were wearing wristwatches. And so now, you know, almost a hundred years after these were made most pocket watches, and like I said, there's millions of them out there, they get scrapped for gold or silver, predominantly at pawn shops, um, or people take them to estates, or they get sold in estate sales, or, you know, they get handed down generation to generation and kept in a drawer. I mean, it's a pocket watch, you know, most people aren't going to wear it every day. And eventually the grandson or granddaughter or great grandson, whatever, um, decides they, they're never really going to use this pocket watch and and they're going to let it exit the family. And so there's a lot of pocket watches out in in the world right now. And a lot of them through pawn shops, they get scrapped for the gold or silver of the case and the inside, which we call, as you said earlier, the movement and the dial, which is the face of the watch and the hands, all the timekeeping components, that's trash to a pawn shop who only cares about the gold. And so that's where Vortec Watch Company comes in. We salvage and restore antique American pocket watches and turn them into one-of-a-kind wristwatches. Um, can you give us at all any uh, schooling on the differences of the movements? Um, you know, as I had become sure. more into the the, the nitty gritty of, of watches, you know, I, I've learned a lot more. I thought, uh, you know, originally you get a watch and it was something you were going to have to replace a battery in every so often when you saw that it just stopped keeping time. But there's, you know, maybe two or three other variations of ways that watches work and keep time. Yeah. So um, what you're describing there is what, what we call quartz. Um, the whenever, whenever there's a battery in a watch, that means it's a quartz movement, and um, and that's just a, a very modern way to tell time. It's, it's a lot less expensive to make a movement like that. Um, it's just electronics, um, and that's how most watches are, are made now. And that was that really came about in the seventies, um, and it was Swatch. You know, remember the Swatch yes, watches? Yes. Um, they they really mass marketed the quartz. Um, they call it the quartz revolution. Before that, um, in wristwatches, the newest, you know, hottest technology was what we call today automatic movements, and they are like these old pocket watch movements, except you don't have to wind them up with the crown. They have a rotor that spins around inside the watch and and keeps it wound for you. And that's why people sell those like automatic watch winders that rotate the watch and you can kind of see the watch rotating. It's rotating like it's on your wrist and that way it's staying wound. That technology came out in the 50s. And so everything that we touch, these old pocket watches is older than that. They're all mechanical, manually wound. You have to wind them up just like, again, making the car reference, just like you had to wind your car, you know, crank the engine up to get it going. Same exact thing. Um, you have to wind these old pocket watches. That was the technology in the 1800s and early 1900s. 
R.T. Custer joining us here from Vortic Watch Company. VorticWatches.com is the website if you want to check it out here while we're talking. Um, when I look at what watches are bringing value to the market or, you know, when you start looking into, uh, you know, they, they actually call them luxury uh, level watches. You know, th- those are all automatic movement watches. Uh, you don't really have the ones that require the winding like those pocket watches that you had just mentioned. And uh, is it safe to assume that if you have, you know, something uh, that's like this, uh, this pocket watch uh, that is now a wristwatch or an automatic movement watch, that those watches are going to be holding their value if you spend five or $10,000 on a watch, that because of the movement, that's something that is going to hold its value through its life. And even if you pass it down, somebody could go take it to the secondary market and, you know, get uh, more of the return on that initial investment. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's two big things to think about as far as if you try to think about watches as an investment. And and typically, I try to talk people out of that. There, especially in today's world, there's a lot better investments out there. However, if if you you know if you want it and 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 you want to invest in a watch to to get something that's going to at least hold or or maintain value you'd need to spend thousands of dollars um to get to a movement that's worthy of of being you know an heirloom and taking care of for years and years however a lot of besides like the quality of the movement and you know it being um high end and very well made which most people perceive as switzerland and most of most of the thousands of dollar watches are made in switzerland rolex omega etc um the the other thing is the brand so a rolex a patek philippe um and and some of those very high-end brands they will uh, maintain their value or potentially rolex has actually increased value um significantly in recent years and that's mostly due to supply and demand that they drive with their billions of dollars in advertising um same with omega omega um you know maintains its brand very well and can maintain value um and there's hundreds of watch companies though so it's it's hard to it's it's hard to get lost in that and so if if you're going to spend thousands or tens of thousands on a watch um and you want a swiss watch like a rolex definitely best to talk to a, a dealer or or someone who deals and sells them every day because they can educate you as far as i am concerned i can tell you all about pocket watches and how which ones are more rare that's that's really what i deal in is the rarity uh, and how like they only made a hundred of these pocket watches of this specific specific model you know 110 years ago and so it's the rarest thing on the planet and that's what makes it very valuable so i i deal in rarities we we like to think of our watches as art not necessarily a mechanical system and that kind of leads us into the origins of the company so uh, it's a unique story it wasn't just solely you you would i guess found somebody with a a similar interest or at least a a watch passion to some degree so how does vortic at least become a, a an idea and then we can talk about how you actually set it in motion to become a business for sure, yeah. So um, we had this idea on the golf course at Penn State. We were both studying. I was studying engineering. Uh, my business partner Tyler was studying mathematics, and um, you know we we're both nerds and just talking about guy stuff, American made, making stuff, golf, you know. Um, 
and uh and and just having fun and and we came up with a bunch of ideas for different watch models and types that we could make but the the origin of the idea was how could we make something that was actually made in usa i mean truly made in america because like you said right off the bat most people think of china switzerland and japan for watches and so there weren't many and there still aren't many american watch companies today and so we we really went down the rabbit hole of like what's possible what can be made here what has been made in america as far as watches are concerned and that's how we stumbled on the history of the old pocket watch companies and then that led us to go to into a pawn shop and try to buy an old pocket watch to see if we could maybe refurbish it or just take it apart and learn how it was made and and then we found out that there was hundreds if not thousands of these pocket watches and if we restored them and made all the outside parts to make a wristwatch, we could make the only truly American-made watch on the market, and that's what we do. Uh, the so, what year do you guys officially start Vortic? We had the idea in uh, 2013. We launched on Kickstarter in late 2014. Uh, we didn't actually ship a watch until 2015. If you're familiar with Kickstarter crowdfunding, kind of takes a while to get the idea off the ground. Um, so we've been making watches officially for over five years and, um, we like to say it's been almost a decade since like inception. Would you have been able to get off the ground had it not been for the, the crowdsourcing or the, the crowdfunding project? Uh, maybe, but, um, you know, we would have had to, to raise money from investors or somehow get a bank loan. I mean, we had just literally that year graduated from college. We were broke. You know, we set the goal on Kickstarter for $10,000 because that seemed like an enormous amount of money. And how could you not start a business with so much, you know, $10,000? It's just insane. So um, we ended up raising 41000 in the 30 days on Kickstarter. And, and what we didn't really make any profit off of those sales. You know, we didn't charge enough for the watches right off the bat. However, we proved product market fit. We, we proved that there was people out there that would spend thousands of dollars on a pocket watch, turn into wristwatch because they loved us. They loved the story. They loved the design, you know, one of those things. And then we went to banks and investors and started raising money to buy all the machines we have now to do it. So, what are you sourcing from a watch standpoint? And then what are you actually sure. making from a watch standpoint to make it a uh, Arctic piece or a, a Vortic piece? Yeah. So um, we Vortic is like Vortex and TikTok, a beautiful clash of old and new. I try to think everything on the inside of the watch is old. So the movement, all the gears and springs that tell time that you can see through the back, that's all old. The dial, the face of the watch, and then the hands, that is all antique. So everything between the glass is an original piece of American history. Everything, including the glass on the outside, that makes it a wristwatch. So the case, you know, the metal case, that that stainless steel ring around the back, the glass itself, and then the leather and the buckle, that's what we make in modern day. So everything you can touch on the outside is, is new. Everything on the inside that you can't touch is old. It's kind of like a museum. Everything between the glass is an antique. RT Custer joining us here on the show, and we're talking about the company Vortic Watches. Uh, Vortic Watch Company, VorticWatches.com is the website. So aside from the watches that you're selling on the website, 
Uh, what I found unique was, uh, and, and as you had mentioned, maybe you know you're somebody that has a grandfather or grandmother, or, you know, uncle, great uncle that had gifted you, or there's a pocket watch that's making its way down the family channels. Uh, you can also be commissioned to take somebody's current pocket watch and then make that into a, a custom wrist watch as well. Absolutely. We're the only company in the world that does that. So that's that's what we love to do. That that idea actually came from, you know, we launched on Kickstarter trying to save the old pocket watches from the pawn shops and bring them back. And then we had tons of people reach out to us and say, hey, what about my grandpa's? What are my, my grandma's pocket watch? You know, what do I do with this? And And we were like, well, crap, like, I guess we're going to have to solve that problem. Because I mean, you know, people are really excited about that. And you want to talk about an heirloom, you know, this is something that now you're taking a, a pocket watch that was almost a burden to pass down because it's like, hey, you're never going to use this, but like put it in the drawer because it's really <laughs> valuable. Um, and now, you know, people can actually wear their family heirloom every day. And we have hundreds of customers that have done that. And that's, we call it convert your watch, um, which you don't even have to go to our website to check it out. You can just Google convert your watch. And and we, we kind of own that section of the, the Google, um, as they, as they say. And, um, and, and yeah, that's, that's mostly what we're selling right now. We're actually totally sold out, um, of watches. We, we, last year we implemented a watch of the day. So every single day, Monday through Friday, we make one new one of a kind watch. And when it's sold, it's gone forever. And that worked so well. And we got so much publicity and everything out of it that we're back ordered for months. Wow. Um, so we're, we're hoping to get totally cleaned up caught up and uh start up that watch of the day um uh sometime in february and so for now that we have a gallery on the site of all the other watches we've made so you can like click through and if you want one like that there's a little form that says hey can you build me or can you find me a pocket watch like this one it's really cool we have lots of other ways to order stuff um but we are currently sold out of instant gratification yeah the sold watches gallery is what we call that gallery yeah so we're just kind of scrolling through that here and you can see some of the stuff that has uh, already been sold so if i like you know one of these then i just uh click on that and then i can say hey build me something similar to this and then you start scouring the the sources that you have to bring in a similar dial and, and movement along these lines yeah yeah and and sometimes we'll say you know hey that's that's great. We're going to just take down your information and get back to you when we find something similar to that. Um, sometimes people say, Hey, I, I really want, you know, I need a watch by this date for, you know, graduation, wedding, uh, father's day, what have you. And so then we obviously, you know, put a little more urgency through that. We have a lot of customers, you know, that especially people that send us their, you know, grandfather's or grandmother's pocket watch. And they're just like, Hey, this thing's been in a drawer for 50 years. So if it takes <laughs> eight weeks to get back to me with a custom project, like it's no big deal. Um, that that's one of the best things about running a watch company is, you know, we're not saving anybody's life. You know, nothing is ever urgent in this business, uh, which is, it just makes it a lot more fun to run. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about cost and, um, is this a little different than most watch companies or this is a little different than most watch companies. So, you know, um, I think a lot of folks don't realize, you know, like the, that company swatch that you had just mentioned. I mean, they own a bunch of brands. I mean, they're a, a really big deal in uh, the watch brand business and the making. So this isn't like you have a bunch of people you're making, uh, you know, uh, you know, line one is making this kind of watch and line two is making this kind of watch and it's just boom, boom, boom. And you're going, 
Um, these are all individual, unique pieces. Um, so what are we looking at? Uh, and I guess it, it would have to be more or less from a high level because it would depend on dials and movements and all that other stuff and what you're putting into it. But do you have an idea of, of cost on watches in general and then um, you know how they separate out between you know something uh, like this, which is a uh, artisan style watch, and then uh, this one, which is a railroad style watch? Yeah, absolutely. So our our price range in general is two thousand to ten thousand, um, which is what uh, Ralph Lauren at some point uh, in the last couple of years he said the sweet spot in the watch industry is two thousand to five thousand, and so that's that's where we we tried to lay is is right in that realm, um, and and yeah, with you know it's, it's funny because Swatch people perceive as as the cheap watches, <laughs> yeah. you know, 20, 50 bucks. But they also own Omega, which is a four billion dollar company. So it's it's uh it's fascinating when you start diving into I mean any luxury industry, right? You think about the liquor industry, it's all conglomerates. <laughs> so yeah. um so yeah, that's that's fascinating to think about. But in our range, that two thousand to ten thousand, um we have the American Artisan series, which are uh, the smaller ones, either forty six or 49 millimeters they're pendant set which means you just simply pull the crown straight out set your time pop it back in very simple mechanism not quite as rare as the railroad watches and those are the two to four thousand range and then we have our railroad edition which is that larger one that you have you actually have to take the the whole bezel of the watch off in order to get to the lever which is a safety mechanism they used on the railroad back then so you didn't accidentally pull the crown out and change the time on the railroad so you have to take that whole bezel off and then pull the lever and then it'll let you change the time that takes a lot more engineering for us also those railroad watches are much more rare and so those are um, i would say the four to six range and then the six and above um, then we get into very very rare one-off pieces um, as well as our military edition uh, the military edition is is what I'm wearing, and these are pocket watches flown on the B bombers in World War II, and so the the rarity and the history and the story behind the military edition um, is is what makes it that valuable. Um, and we it's just vortexwatches.com/slash/military for all the cool info on that one. Let me uh, ask a, a tough question here uh, because I'm seeing like some in the instant chat, and I know I was going to get this. Uh, you have guys here that have no problem dropping two, five, ten, twenty-five thousand dollars on a barbecue pit, and we're talking about watches. And you mentioned two thousand or, or four thousand or five thousand, and they're like, "Holy shit! Why would I spend that much on a watch?" In this instance, yeah. we're talking about uh, pieces of history that you are bringing to a certain degree, into a, a modern world, right? It, it's not a thing that's hanging on a chain, going in your vest because you don't dress like that anymore or in your pocket. You're putting it on a, on a wrist, and there is a process of conversion that has to take place, and you have to find these things in order to make them work. So do you ever have to go into like a, a sales process, or, or how do you explain to somebody why 2000 or $4,000 or, or $5,000 seems like a lot of money but in the end you know this is uh value we have a a saying in the barbecue world buy the best and only cry once and i would assume in, in this instance that also applies <laughs> i like that saying a lot um i i never really address 
you know, those, those conversations, but more, more than just to say if, if, you know, $2,000 as our minimum price is, is more than you're comfortable spending on a watch, then I'd be happy to, to help you find something that's less, if you really need a watch for function, um, or, or just fashion, you want it to look cool. There's a bunch of other brands. There's other brands that make stuff in America. I mean, you got Shinola in Detroit. They make yep. some, some really cool looking stuff, more fashion watches, more like fossil, but a little higher, higher end. Um, and they're in the hundreds of dollars, not thousands of dollars, you know, so I can, you know, and then you have swatch and fossil and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, and the difference is that all those companies, including Shinola, even they make thousands and thousands of watches a year. We made 419 watches in 2020. That's it. Um, and we probably will make less than that, uh, in 2021 because we're, we're just really honing in on the best or nothing basically, you know, to, to, to use another luxury brand. Right. Um, we go and find the coolest pocket watches on planet earth and tournament of wristwatches. And, and it takes a long time to do it. They're all handmade by one person. Um, you know, I, I employ eight people here in Colorado and I'm really proud of all the American jobs I've created. So, you know, it's all the whole supply chain and everything. Um, and, and so, yeah, you know, if, if, if somebody wants to buy a, a less expensive watch, I'm certainly glad to help them find it. If, they're on the flip side, Greg, there's people that look at our watches and they say, Oh, they're only $5,000. Of course. You know, I, <laughs> I'm used to buying, you know, Patex and, and, and yeah. Arnold and son and all of these brands that a lot of people haven't even heard of that are $50,000 plus, you know, and, and it's just like, I'm sure there's, there's barbecue uh, pits and, and things that are all super custom and ultra high end. that are sure. tens of thousands of dollars. It's the same thing. Uh, RT Custer joining us here on the show. The company is Vortic Watch Company, and the website is VorticWatches.com, one of the newest sponsors here of the Barbecue Central Show in 2021. Uh, so are there any other goals uh, for Vortic this year? Or uh, perhaps a, a better question is for the folks that are you know listening either tonight or through podcast over the next handful of weeks, and they're watch folks, they really like the story, and, uh, and or maybe they have a pocket watch they want to convert. Or they want to keep an eye on, on when the watch of the day comes out. What's the best way to, to stay in touch and in tune with that so they have an option of taking a look at it and at least uh, buying it before somebody else does? Absolutely. So we, we have an email list um, that you can sign up for. on. It's on the footer. It's all over the website. Um, and, and you can just put in your name and your email. We send one weekly email with all of our watch of the day options, any new watches that we came out with. Um, we send that every Tuesday afternoon. I send an email, um, actually skip this week because we <laughs> we're totally sold out. I don't even know what to talk about. Um, that's very rare. Usually we have stuff to, to send. And then if you sign up for that email, I've, I've written a, a, a chain of 20 emails that you get every 10 days, uh, for 200 days. And it tells you the whole story of our company in in written form with pictures and behind the scenes pictures and videos and all kinds of cool stuff so if you just sign up for email list you don't even have to go to the website you can just read the emails um and and learn all about us so that's that's the easiest way and we do have a bunch of cool stuff coming up i, I forgot to mention
mentioned the the convert your watch process. If you have, you know, an heirloom pocket watch and you send it to us, it's on the lower side. It's the, that process starts at two thousand because you are providing the the rarity to us, and we just have to do our our restoration and conversion work. So that's on the cheaper side of what we do. And then, um, yeah, every November we come out with one of these, the military edition, uh, November eleventh, Veterans Day. Mm. Uh, we donate ten uh, percent of of the revenue of that product to a school in delaware called the veterans watchmaker initiative and they teach disabled u.s military vets how to become watchmakers and restore rolexes and and vortec watches rt custer joining us here on the show from vortec watch companies uh, social media uh, as well at vortec watches so follow them and friend them all over the place uh, website vorticwatches.com. RT, thanks so much for coming on and uh, doing a little extended segment, giving us some history and learning about your company. Uh, so uh, happy to have you aboard here for 2021, and we'll look forward to doing it again. Thank you, sir. I'll you see you again it. soon. All right, there he is. RT Custer from Vortic Watches. So if you are downed, for a watch and you want to check them all out then head on over sign up for the newsletter and away you go and i know yeah again as uh travis hale was like two two grand for a watch no i get it can you believe there's some folks out there that wouldn't even consider spending fifteen hundred dollars on a pellet cooker they think that's too much we all have our limits on things i get it uh, let me talk to you quickly about Pits and Spits. Since 1983, Pits and Spits been handcrafting smokers and grills in Houston, Texas. And in that time, establishing itself as a premier brand in the high-quality offset and more recently pellet cooker industry, Pits and Spits setting itself apart by using heavy 7- and 10-gauge steel in every cooker, fully welded construction that you can feel when you use the unit, and 304 stainless roll-top lid, and front shelf on every single smoker. Using higher quality materials, pits and spits, reach and maintain temperatures, allowing you to worry more about the meat than the heat and provide providing a fully welded smoker. You don't have to worry about grease or smoke leaking out of the barrel or the grill rattling apart as you move it through the yard. And the 304 stainless makes it heirloom quality that you're going to pass down to your kids. Now, where some companies focus on being a low-cost provider, pits and spits focuses on craftsmanship. Quality materials are the cheaper ways to make these things. Yes, but they're not going to like their tack welds. They don't believe in cheap stainless and electronics that you can't trust. Having in-house manufacturing gives them complete control of the design and standards. Not something you find brought in from overseas. Their steel suppliers supply materials to be used in some of the harshest environments around. So you know they're going to be able to be used wherever you are. And their controllers are made right here in the States. Having unimpeded transparency into the programming. Bottom line, it pits and spits selling on a dealer network. But if you don't have one close to you, call Koi in the shop, 844 844- 650-6250. That's 844-650-6250. Whether you're a backyard grill master looking to cook steaks for the family or a competition team looking to do 50 racks of ribs, Pits and Spits is a product for you. You can check them out online, pitsandspits.com, all spelled out. Or you can see their pits in the wild across social media at their handle, at Pits and Spits. We are back to ban a barbecue central show guest hall of famer stick around we'll be right back you're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere the barbecue central show
Celebrating over 10 years of prolific and unparalleled live fire barbecue and grilling talk. And yes, it's still being done from Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. This portion of the show being brought to you by Smithfield. Throughout the grilling season, you can check out smithfield.com. For tips and tricks from World Championship Pitmasters, you can also head on over to smokingwithsmithfield.com and sign up for the Committed Cooks program. And they are working out the grant program recipients because they are honoring ones from last year. Of course, there was a bunch canceled, and then, of course, the new ones that are coming this year. So we should know in the next couple weeks when I get Laura Paul on, and we can do a big reveal for the grant program winners. Smithfield.com or smoking with Smithfield. In the meantime, so the Embedded Correspondents and I have had great fun rolling out the Barbecue Central Show Guest Hall of Fame, adding two classes since its inception in 2018. And while we take the class induction seriously, we also know, and I also know, that the show Guest Hall of Fame is a bit tongue-in-cheek. Not from a guest standpoint, mind you. The people in the Guest Hall of Fame are accomplished, professional, some of the most respected people in the live fire industry. My reference to tongue-in-cheek, more from a how my Hall of Fame is viewed by the public standpoint. If you're in, it's not really affecting your life one way or another. If you're not in there, it's not necessarily affecting your life one way or the other. But what if something happens from a news standpoint or an information standpoint that comes to light that might suggest that due to these events or news, a current member of the Guest Hall of Fame should be removed or banned or something along these lines. Well, I'm here to tell you that for as fun as this whole thing is, the news and or events that are reported will be taken under immediate and serious consideration and then thoroughly vetted and checked. At that point, we'll decide what should be done from there, which brings us to where we're at tonight. And if I can give you a little background, this first hit my radar October 2019. But to be honest, I didn't really grab onto it much at that point. And it wasn't until much later, really November 2020, when it started to bubble up as I was recovering from my most recent ear surgery. I was watching Netflix because I was told to sit in bed for three or four days while my ear really started to heal initially and started trolling through a bunch of different shows and documentaries. There was one specifically about Jeffrey Epstein, and I didn't know much about him. I recall hearing his name being thrown around every now and again, uh, heard when he was found dead in the tombs at the New York City Police Department under suspicion of suicide, but I wasn't following what was really going on and, and what was really happening as it concerned him. The documentary was crazy. A man who had come to wealth and prominence, but no one seems to know exactly how he did it. He becomes a billionaire's financial advisor. Not only that, he is the one and only financial advisor gaining access to unprecedented wealth and assets. And no one, and I mean no one, seems to know why this billionaire gave Epstein such exclusivity, but he did. Certainly there's rumors, but I'm not here to talk about those tonight. Epstein had homes in New York and Florida, the Virgin Islands. He had a fleet of private jets, not planes, jets, real money, long money. And did I mention he ran an incredible sex trafficking ring that involved very young girls, fishing them in with cash, taking advantage of the girls that were at high risk and putting them in a world that it was not easy to get away from. 
And I'm not going to get into the whole detail here because Jeffrey Epstein is not in my guest hall of fame. Thank goodness. And not the focus tonight, but it's worth the watch. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein, Filthy Rich on Netflix. If you're interested, you can get some more background there. Which lands me here. As mentioned a few minutes ago, in 2018, we roll out the Barbecue Central Show Guest Hall of Fame. The inaugural class included a lot of people, including 20 one-off guests. And you might recall initially, the Hall of Fame was set up in three different categories. Recurring, semi-recurring, and one-off. That has since changed to ushering in just a straight five people without categories at all. One of those 20 folks back in 2018 in the inaugural class was Adam Perry Lang. Now, you might be asking yourself how Jeffrey Epstein and APL can be used in the same sentence. Certainly, they can't be connected. Not true. Indeed, there is a connection. For four years, from 99 to 2003, Adam was Jeffrey Epstein's private chef. Without saying in full detail, there are many interviews that have been done through the years, for instance, One of the more notable ones was done by a friend of the show, Daniel Vaughn, from Texas Monthly back in November of 2014. And in that article, Adam specifically chronicles his time on a very large ranch in the middle of nowhere, Mexico, as being a seminal time when he really fell in love with the barbecue way of life. He spent long periods of time hanging out at the ranch, hanging out with these displaced Texas cowboys and learning about their barbecue cooking style. And he had also referenced that... That was a time when he was working as a private chef, and the person responsible for his employee was actually never mentioned specifically, and the person who owns that ranch was Jeffrey Epstein, who was Adam's employer at the time. So if you recall, the end-of-the-year segment that I did with Robin Lindars, she had mentioned that there was a very prominent barbecue person that was on flight manifest of Jeffrey Epstein. She went out of her way to say that this is someone that many of us within the subculture would know. And at that moment, I knew exactly who she was talking about. I did try to get her to name the name, but she didn't. However, she did say that it was pretty easy to find out who it was if you put a little effort on Google. And that part of Robin's interview brought me back to a conversation I had had with someone else who had previously mentioned a very similar story. So the more I look into it, the more conversations I have with journalists who cover this topic, what I find is a bit of a trend as you look back. And you can go online and track Adam's career path. And it does show from time to time that he partners or collaborates with, from a business standpoint, with folks who might bring a little controversy along as well. And I can also imagine there being some kind of internal struggle on Adam's part, right? I mean, you're in business with someone who might provide you with great professional opportunity and access. But as you start to work with them and get to know them, or maybe you knew up front, that their particular alignment with your moral compass didn't meet. And what do you do when you're confronted with that? Of course, no bigger example is probably that time that he had spent private chefing for Jeffrey Epstein. Now, I do think it's very important for me to preface all of what I am about to say by saying this. And I want to be very clear, and I don't want to be taken out of context or anything. I do not think that Adam took part in anything illegal at the Epstein properties. I don't think he had anything criminal to do at these properties. There is no documentation in any of the research and conversations I have done since I took interest in this that have even hinted that he has been involved in anything criminal or depraved or sex trafficking or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. There is 
uh, and and I believe that there is nothing criminal about it. However, after doing research and having conversations with folks through multiple sources and other reporters, having done reporting on this subject and having asked multiple times for interviews from Adam himself to come on the show to talk about this specifically, and I still have not gotten any replies back from him at this point, taking everything into account that I know at this point, I feel that I need to suspend Adam from the Barbecue Central Show Guest Hall of Fame. And perhaps not only that, I would be asking the Barbecue Hall of Fame to consider doing the same thing. This is not a publicity stunt for me. This is not a ploy to get people talking about the show and hopes for more subscribers or anything like that. Uh, nor am I a Q, a non-subscriber, so you can save that. I don't take any joy in doing this. This is something I would actually rather not do ever in any instance. In fact, it would probably be much easier for me to not say anything at all, just keep my head down, keep moving. It's always easier to not address things like this, especially if you feel like you have a certain perception of somebody. It makes you feel a little weird inside when you have to think about something else. I'm a father of three daughters, three daughters who have expressed to me individually and as a group on a number of occasions their real fears of potentially being snatched off the street one day and then being sent in a sex trafficking ring never to be seen or heard from again. So after reading the extremely detailed reports from Epstein's victims, specifically Virginia Roberts, that reference her specific interactions with Adam and seeing her account, as well as many others in that Netflix documentary that I'd referenced a few minutes ago, and then listening to a podcast called Broken Seeking Justice. There is no way at this point I can work out in my head that Adam didn't see anything wrong or illegal going on during his time as Epstein's private chef. Do any of you believe that? If you do, your opinion, my opinion, is that there can't be any way that he can't produce names or corroborate names or saw faces on Epstein Island or a ranch in New Mexico or at the mansion in Florida or at the mansion in New York City or on the private Jeff rides uh, that he was referenced between 2000 and 2001. He didn't see one weird thing. I don't necessarily subscribe to that. No matter how many times he says that he didn't see any depraved acts or naked girls The accounts that I have read, the accounts that I have seen on these documentaries and through articles are very detailed. And his responsibilities as a private chef for Epstein reveal that not only was he not sequestered in some kind of kitchen bunker, but through accounts was serving food to those girls at various properties as well as being in the middle of taking and serving food to the guests, having to memorize all of those guests' names and knowing what their food requirements were. Also, according to many accounts, the girls on those properties were required to remain naked at all times, kept on a very strict diet, so they kept a certain physical appearance that Jeffrey Epstein wanted them to have, and those were served by Ed. So how can you be around naked girls even once in that kind of a setting and not think something is weird or something not right is going on, let alone being around that for potentially four years, and you see nothing wrong or nothing weird or nothing depraved for that long. My head doesn't allow me to grasp that reality, unfortunately. 
And yes, I know you can go through some of the articles, or if you listen to the end of that broken Seeking Justice podcast, Adam volunteered through his lawyers in uh, helping bringing justice to these victims. But then he releases a statement that says, and I'm paraphrasing, while he feels bad for the victims and he would like to see them get justice and he's willing to do whatever he can to help, then he quickly uh, disqualifies help by saying that he sees nothing and he know nothing and he didn't see any depraved act or, or anything of the like. And I reached out to Tara Palmieri, who was the host of this Broken Seeking Justice podcast, and specifically asked her if she thought that Adam was being disingenuous with his statement of wanting to help and try and find uh, some type of additional resolution for the victims. And her reply back to me was, and I quote, yes, totally disingenuous. And I think I really covered that at the end of my podcast. And I understand. As we're talking about Epstein, we he must have wielded great power while he was alive and that there were a lot of very powerful people in his circle to include royalty have been tied with him. Current and former presidents have been tied to him. High level politicians and business people have been tied to him and frequent in his residences. Some of those people are still being arrested as late as just this past December over in France. And perhaps laying silence done for fear for his well-being and his family's well-being decides to stay quiet on that. And I'm speculating 100% here when I say this, but perhaps Lang's current business partners have directed him to also not talk about this subject when it comes up. If somebody reaches out to you and asks you about it, don't talk about it. And I know he has at least one daughter and he wouldn't want anything like this to happen to her or any of his kids or anybody like this uh, or anything like this to happen to anybody's kids. So the naming of names and the help for these victims, I would hope would be supplied by Adam and by anyone else who would know what was going on during those times. And I know, Rempe, easy for you to be such a tough guy calling out Adam like this. How do you know you'd be so macho if you were put in the same position? Fair point. However, I will point to my ethics my morals and scruples, my business dealings that I have had all the way through my professional career that have shown that I am not the kind of person who is going to put money or status or personal gain ahead of doing what I feel, if put in that similar situation, would be right no matter what cost. So for those reasons, I cannot in good faith at this time keep Adam in the guest hall of fame, nor do I think at this point he should be in the Barbecue Hall of Fame, not until the full information is voluntarily given to the people handling these cases. And hopefully this web of illegal activity that Jeffrey Epstein spun up will be brought down completely. Certainly happy to take your email reaction through the week on this. Greg at the BBQ Central Show dot com. And uh, well, I've tried to put these reference links in my uh, pod or my uh, show notes. They're not showing privately, but I have kept all of them. I have them here in a separate document. So if you want to see what I was looking at and some of the podcasts that I was listening to, I am happy to send those along as well. Just go ahead and shoot me a message and I will get them to you. Again, the email address is greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. All right, before we wrap up the show, let me talk to you quickly about Primo Grills. 
one of the newer sponsors to the show. If you are looking for a ceramic cooker, but you don't want the round options, you're in luck because Primo Grill, while they do have a round option, widely known for being oval. So what does that mean? Well, all the way back in the first hour, Meathead was talking about being able to set up true two-zone cooking in order for them to really get high grades from AmazingRibs.com when they are doing their reviews and giving out their rewards and such. Primo allows you to set up true two-zone cooking. Because of the way it's shaped, you can bank the coals off to one side and you have a completely unfired side on the opposite. Extra large, extra large Jack Daniels. You got a large, you have a junior all in the oval shape. Again, as mentioned, they do have a round option if you would like to go that way, if you just need to have a round option, but get away from the name brands that you might be used to. They also have an extra large gas ceramic cooker. So if you're looking to get way outside the box, you can take a look at that. Primogrill.com is the website. Once again, that's Primogrill.com. You can check out and see if there is a dealer near you. You can also connect with Primo Grills on social media as well. Typically, it's uh, Primo Grill Nick, but do a little research there or connect with them through their website and you can start following them along socially as well. That's PrimoGrill.com. PrimoGrill.com. We thank Primo Grills for sponsorship of the show. We'll be back to wrap it up right here. Stick around. We'll be right back. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. All right, this portion of the show being brought to you by Vortic Watches. That's right, just two segments ago, RT Custer was on manufacturing and restoring vintage pocket watches right here in North America. They take the antique pocket watch, turn it into a wristwatch. Their mission, preserve and enhance the legacy of manufacturing excellence in America. In order to do that, they combine traditional and cutting-edge technology to create unique, quality, functional timepieces with exceptional value. Here's the coolest part. Each one made is a unique, one-of-a-kind piece. Check them out online at VorticWatches.com. That's VorticWatches.com. America wasn't assembled, it was built. And check out their website for more info. All right, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up all the way back in the first hour. We talked with Meathead. We talked about the Spark Grill that is out now. We do have an interview set up with the owner of that next week. We also talked about the updates he has on rubs and sauces, Meathead's rubs and sauces. The new Meatheads, AmazingRibs.com. Everything being branded with Meathead. Second hour, RT, Custer from Vortic Watches. And then the current suspension of Adam Perry Lang in the Guest Hall of Fame. Big show planned for you next week. Stephen Reichlin is in. We also have Ed Riley of B&B Charcoal. Whole show packed for you. It's going to be very exciting. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, this is your program host, the proudest American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.